Welcome to this edition of Talking Architecture and Design. My name is Branko Melodic, and today we are speaking with Paolo Bevilacqua, General Manager of Sustainability and Real Utilities at Fraser's Property Australia. Welcome to Talking Architecture and Design, Paolo Bevilacqua. Did I get Thanks, that right? Branko. You did get it right. <laughs> Very well. Um, okay, let's, let's start with you, Paolo. Um, it's interesting, your surname. Um, Italian, yeah. Um, Bevilacqua means drink the water. Is that, is that correct? It's pretty close. Yeah, drink water. Drink yeah. water. Yeah. Um, it, it's a very sustainable sounding surname. Okay. Um, and looking at your CV and where you've worked, you've, you've been involved in sustainability for quite some time. It's almost that you've been destined um, for this, for this, to work in this area or in this role. Do we need more developers or more more you know builders or more more people in in the built environment um that are quite literally made for sustainability in your opinion yeah maybe we should start with just uh, filtering by name you know <laughs> just italians <laughs> with got the right surname yeah that's it yeah we'll start with that but uh look i'm, I'm biased you know if you can ask me do we need more developers focused on sustainability a hundred percent we do you know and i think we're starting to see it i think it's been led in Australia, in in particular sectors of of the built environment, you know, commercial office sector probably led the way uh, ten to fifteen years ago, and and you know, driven by, I'd say, you know, surprisingly now we say driven by government to some ex- some extent, um, requiring um, their office space to be you know a bit more sustainable, and also driven by some of those big corporates uh, that wanted wanted that space. So it was customer driven, and the industry responded. We're seeing that start to transition now into the retail sector, the industrial sector, and um, and slowly into residential. Although I think we need to do a lot more in that space. But uh, yeah, developers are moving; they're listening to the customers more. They're understanding the customers' problems and, and trying to develop solutions to respond to those. You know, problems like energy affordability. You know, wanting better quality homes that are more efficient, um, better for their health and well-being. You know, those kind of things are important to customers. So developers are responding and trying to come up with solutions okay that, that's that's interesting so they're coming up or they're, they're, they're coming to the plate as the americans would say um what will it take for the majority of house uh, builders or home builders or however you want to call it in australia to design and build homes that utilize your renew- renewable energy is it a case i mean are we waiting for a price tipping point or, or, or are we waiting for you know, for you know, a society, the society to say, "Hey, this is what we want," or uh, what are we? Are we waiting? Maybe. Yeah. Look, I don't know if we're if we're waiting anymore because if you look at the uh, the facts, you know, and, and price is certainly a factor that it's driven, you know, where we are today. But in Australia, we've just passed two million homes, two two million households with solar. Wow. Okay. Yeah, phenomenal. So that's around one in four um households that have solar panels on their roof and if you actually look in some states queensland south australia it's it's closer to one in three one in three one in three homes or households with solar so i think when we talk about renewable energy i think we've reached that tipping point you know and i think those numbers will continue to grow you're going to have some constraints uh, around you know apartments and how they incorporate solar and because people Know, have have limited options there. You know, they have to go through strata, etc. Although we're seeing yeah. some interesting solutions come up there. Um, but look, I think you know what's driven that tipping point: price, yeah, for sure. Government subsidies and programs. Uh, there's a lot of those going around, and they're still being promoted now. You know, 
South Australia recently announced a battery scheme where they give out, uh, I think, a $5,000 subsidy for homes to install batteries. So we're seeing that transition now. Yes, solar's been, you know, I think it's past the tipping point and now we're seeing batteries, you know, battery storage start to pick up and, and, and more people wanting to do that to, to further kind of address this concern they have around energy affordability and security and, and feeling like they don't have control, you know, over how much their, uh, their energy bills are, uh, are coming in at. Uh, it's a bigger issue now, for sure. Ed Square, so that, that's, that's your new development. That you're, 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 have you finished or almost finished? Oh, just starting. Well, okay, just not even finished. Oh, getting the, almost finished. On the <laughs> way. On the way. Well on the way. Well on the way. So it, it's in southwest Sydney, and, and it's a suburb of Edmondson Park, I believe. Correct. Um, Fraser's property has developed an, a mixed-use community, uh, incorporating residential retail community spaces that live up carbon-neutral power by, again, large-scale solar photo, photovoltaics systems, um, which are ba- oh, I believe they're based on or they're placed on the Ed, Ed Square shopping centre roof. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I'll, yeah, the shopping centre and and all of the homes as well. Yeah. yeah. So, um, in other words, Fraser's will buy electricity on behalf of the tenants and the shopping centre. Um, is this the future of major developers? Um, is, and is Fraser's becoming basically... Are you, are you changing from, from, a, from a developer to a power retailer? I mean, and, and, and what does... To go back to what you said earlier, what does this actually say about where your industry is heading? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting space where property and, and energy... Are starting to come together and, and if you look traditionally you know, a property developer would actually do a lot of these things you know they need to lay out the energy the electrical infrastructure and the gas infrastructure in a project they need to put meters in homes and switchboards and all that stuff that's part of the cost of, of developing except at the end of that traditionally the developer would hand it over to an energy authority of some description and then they would go on and make all the money from selling the energy within that development uh, and so I think what's changed um, more recently, you know, I think that's part of you know innovation and people looking at adjacent markets, you know, and whether that's in property or or, the, or other sectors. What's changed is that companies like us are looking at well, how can we provide a solution in the energy space that um, allows us to provide a, a better outcome for our customers, in particular around price um, and, and also sustainability, environmental uh, impact. Um, so at Edmondson Park, yeah, we've got solar everywhere. We've got solar on, on the shopping centre, on the apartment buildings, on all the, the townhomes and terraces that we're building out there. Um, approximately three megawatts of solar. That, that, that's a lot of solar. How um, many panels is that out of interest? Oh, how many panels is three megawatts? It's a good question. Maybe about a hundred. Is that right? A thousand? Is that right? Oh no, you, you're talking. Um, Tens of thousands of panels. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. a lot of panels. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of panels. Yeah. Um, so, what will happen there is it, it, it's it's been set up as a, a kind of a microgrid. Um, so, there'll be solar produced on those homes. Um, some of the homes will also have batteries. The, the the homes will be quite efficient. They'll be using geothermal air conditioning, um, which we can talk a bit about. So I was going to, yeah. th- is that something that you guys pioneered in Australia, the geothermal? Because I know you did something like that in Blacktown just recently, or a year or so or two ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that something you guys pioneered, or is, or is that... 
Look, I mean, the technology, I can't, we can't claim it as a technology. Uh, that, sure, but the but implementation. The implementation of it in a residential community um, is something we pioneered. Uh, and we've done it at scale. So Blacktown, we've now done, it's an 850-home estate. We're getting towards the tail end of it, but we've developed 550 homes. Each have their own geothermal heating and cooling system. Yeah, so what is that? It's a system that inside your home doesn't look any different. You know, you've got your little control panel on the wall and you can change your temperature and the, the air gets hotter or colder. It's all the outside that makes a big difference. It's uh, the... The, the way it produces a heating or cooling is by using the stable temperature of the ground. So we drill a... Uh, well, our supplier drills a hole about 80 to 90 metres deep into the ground uh, and there's a, a loop that runs through that that passes a refrigerant and there's a pump that sits on the ground. This is all you see, from, you know, beside your home is a little a little box, maybe the size of a, a dishwasher, um, enclosed that has a pump in it circulating refrigerant and that's using the ground, which stays stable, to, to produce the heating and cooling. Traditional system sits outside, you know, blows the hot air across your backyard or your, your, your alfresco area. And uh, it's much less efficient because it's, it's exposed to the outdoor temperature. So you imagine on a really hot day, you're trying to get 20 degrees in your home and this outdoor unit's fighting against 40 degree outdoor temperatures to get your, you know, your desired temperature. A geothermal unit, uses the ground, sits at about 21 degrees all year round. So much more, you know, you're talking 60% more energy efficient. So that's that's geothermal. Um, what we're doing at Ed Square is combining technologies like those with solar and putting them in a, in a network, uh, a microgrid or an embedded network that we will then own and manage and then sell the power from uh, within that, uh, from a combination of solar that's producing it on site and it, whatever else we need to get from the, it's a grid uh, to produce, uh, you know, to provide an outcome for customers where they get cheaper power, greener power. Um, so, it, you know, it's a, from our perspective, it's a win-win in that the customer wins and we get some gain from an environmental point of view and also, you know, we're able to establish a business that can, um, you know, make some money out of that process. Okay, so let's look at it from the point of view of the... Um the, the, the residents, I, I assume you've done some sort of modelling. I bet you've done some sort of modelling. What, I, I hate to use the term average, but in terms of, let's say, an average household spend on, on, on power, on electricity, how much would a home at Edmondson Park or Ed Park, Ed, Ed Square, sorry, um, how much would it actually save over, let's say, a 12-month period? Yeah, look, so... It'll, it'll save a significant amount. When you break it down, I'll, and, uh, and I'll give some figures, but geothermal alone you know, is, it will save each home, say a typical three-bedroom home, probably five to $600 a year in their energy costs. In addition to that, the real utility solution, I think we mentioned real, real utilities is the energy company that Fraser's has set up. Um, that will sell power at about probably 25 to 30% cheaper depending on, on you know where discounts are at at that point in time than, than what some customers would be able to get from a typical retailer. So when you add factor that in, there might be uh, you know another hundred two hundred dollars of savings there. So when you add it all up, you know with efficiency and, and selling power at a cheaper rate, um, it's it's a pretty significant saving for for a household um, when energy costs are something that have just been chipping away at you know household income more and more. 
becoming a real issue. Okay, so does and again, I I I don't want you to be the spokesman for the for the entire industry, but just as an opinion. Does the industry need to lead the push for renewables? I mean, let's face it, in, in the absence of any any leadership we have from government at the moment, is it has it has the ball now landed and, and the industry's caught for it to sort of run to run quite literally run with the ball? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, definitely at a federal level we're 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 in a, a I guess a policy vacuum, you could call it a um you know, we're seeing some interesting stuff being put forward from the Labor government. You know, the opposition is you know getting close to an ec- election. They they see this as an important issue for for people. Um, I think the industry will lead, but you're seeing also uh, you know state governments doing their part. So I mentioned South Australia earlier. You know, that there's other governments around the world. There's Victoria that's just announced a scheme at the household level where they'll provide rebates and subsidies. So. I think in some sectors the industry will definitely lead. In other sectors will be a combination probably of state uh, government providing support and industry finding really good kind of solutions to, to roll out those systems. Um, you know, but the federal government, you know, it'd be interesting what happens in that space over the next twelve months. I think something will happen. You know, we've we've made an election perhaps. An election will hap- will happen. But regardless we've we've made yeah, we've we've signed effectively a global contract. <laughs> to do something. So <laughs> I think at some point we're going to have to respond. It's a bit slow at the moment, but, uh, you know, I think corporates, big corporates and industry generally are saying, well, well you know, it's, it's a bit uh, ideological at the moment, It's uh, but it, it'll shift to being just about, you know, we need to achieve some targets that we've set as a country and industry's going to have to roll, have a role to play as well as government. So, you know, we need to be well positioned now to respond to that when it comes, so we're not reacting. I want to go back to um, the Ed Square, and I'm only using that as an example because it's the only example I know of at the moment, but what kind of of, um, return on investment are you looking at for for similar, it doesn't have to be that particular um, development, but in terms of your 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 power push, there I call it, what kind of ROI are you looking at? I mean, is 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 there obviously there's, there's a period of time? Yeah, on Ed because of the Ed Square is a, a bit of a unique one in the way we've set up this kind of microgrid. So real utilities uh, will own uh, that 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 energy kind of infrastructure, solar panels and meters and. Um, other bits of gear within that development. Um, and so we'll generate, real utilities will generate a return on that, but the customer effectively doesn't pay for that. Um, so the, the customer gets almost a, an instant benefit by, by buying into those homes, an instant saving um, over what they may ha- might be able to get um, at a nearby development um, because the power they're buying is cheaper. They're also buying less power. You know, so... Um, some of those initiatives uh, are built in, obviously, to the home you're buying, and it's all part of delivering a quality product. But you know, the price point is commensurate with with the product, uh, and then the savings I'll get will will almost be, you know, in, in many ways a bonus, right, from living there, um, which is similar to what we've seen at Fairwater or Blacktown. I mean, the metrics there that we talk about, 
that we think you know geothermal as an example provide is kind of like a five to six year payback if you look at it from an ROI point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's well within what what would keep um, CFOs happy, right? Yeah, yeah, CFO, and also customers, right? You know, if you said you know like yeah, if you sp- you're going to get your money back, most people will stay in a home for at least you know for that period of time. Um, and the average is like seven years, so you know most people are comfortable going. Okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to get my money back here. You know, if it's if it is costing me a bit more, I'm getting a really quality, good quality home with some really interesting technology in it, and it's going to save me money. Um, yeah, it's a good outcome. You mentioned um, real utilities um, as a st- it's a standalone business. That, that yeah, the, it's standalone. Yeah. Um, so, and it's a even a cream. Correct me from a licensed Australian energy retailer. Yes, correct. Um, so, um, what has been the response from the market? I mean, I mean, I mean, has the uh, surprise? Um, uh, you know, um, I don't know. Um, shock. What What has been the response from the market? Yeah, look, we're still an energy retailer, right? So we're, we're not. Um, you know, how do you feel when you get your energy bill? Do you, Do you get excited? Mm, let's see. No, not really. I can't remember the last time I got excited about my energy bill. Yeah, so you know, that's a challenge we have. Energy retailers, I think, probably have uh, not been the most popular um, you know, service provider. People feel like it's the kind of thing you have to have, right? You need energy. Um, so we're an energy retailer, but um, the response has been positive. So we launched Real Utilities on a site in, um, in Botany called Taylor's Walk, a Fraser's development there, Apartments. And we that was about 12, 12 months ago it got up and running. 100% of the customers on that site have signed up for, for real utilities. So it's about 330-odd customers at the moment on that site, apartments. They're getting 28% cheaper electricity than the standard offer from 20, other big retailers. 28%. 28% okay. at the moment. So what's that? On an average bill, I hate the, again, I hate that term, but the average bill is what? Um, thousand bucks so for an yeah for an apartment it's probably 1200 bucks a year right um so you know they're saving maybe a couple hundred dollars um a year obviously everyone uses energy different different times of day and that impacts but you know it's in that order so um you know we found that our product that we put forward as an energy is really simple you know if i go and i'm i'm with one of the you know typical big retailers and if i go and online and try and find the plan i'm on it's uh, it's almost impossible, you know. I'll put in my postcode and what I think I'm on, and I get twenty plans come up. I'm like, which one am I on? Am I on? Uh, Real utilities is, you know, it's one offer, one plan, really simple. It's going to be cheaper. You don't have to sign up for twelve months if there's there's none of those kind of, uh, you, you know, there's there's no further discounts for director. It's just the best discount you can get. Everyone gets it, um, and and that's the way we operate. Um, so we've tried to simplify that that energy buying process and make it cheaper, greener, as well. Um, and residents are happy. Response has been good. Hundred percent take up. Uh, we're now launching at Discovery Point, which is uh, at Woolai Creek, another apartment development that Fraser's has done. Um, and customers are just starting to sign up. And you know, you mentioned Ed Park. That'll be a big project. We're doing a really exciting mixed use project in Melbourne called the Burwood Brickworks. Uh, which is a, a shopping centre that, that aims to be the world's most sustainable shopping centre. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's 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 a. Is that in Burwood? It's in Burwood itself. In Mel- in Burwood in in, uh, in, in Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah. Well, it's not not too far from the city centre, is it? 
not too far. I think the distance is it was around 16 or 17 kilometres from the city. Um, so well located. It's an in, it's an infill site. It's an established suburb. That's that the shopping centre there. Like I said, will, will be one of the world's greenest, if not the world's. And that's the aim to be the world's most sustainable. It's targeting a um, a, a rating called the Living Building Challenge, right. which requires some very ambitious um, targets to be achieved. Things like it needs to produce more energy than it uses renewably. It needs to treat all the water on the site and make that available for reuse in the building. It needs to have no, you know, very little waste in operations and, and also in the construction. Um, so a lot of really ambitious targets that it needs to achieve to get that outcome. But it, it's, it's under construction now. It's been designed to achieve that. It's now a matter of delivering it and then operating it to that level. We're also doing a number of apartments on that site which have similar initiatives to what we've talked about on some of our other projects uh, and real utilities will, will provide um, the energy in those apartments. So, you know, the as Fraser's develops more properties, real utilities will pick up more customers. You know, we have that natural synergy of, um, of being able to bring customers through and, and the real test will be that we're providing a good service, a cheaper product, you know, we think there's customers will care more about the greener aspect of energy. You know, solar panels is an indication of that, but not everyone can have solar panels. If you're in an apartment, you know, it's more difficult. So we'll we'll look after that for you off site. You know, we'll find other ways of you getting access to solar so that the energy you're buying is a hundred percent renewable. And that's one of the things we want to do um, as part of Real Utilities. <laughs> So far, what have been the main engineering challenges you face um, in terms of you know um, implementing it and, and making it work? Yeah, it's a good question because I think it, we asked ourselves that question a fair bit in uh, in making the decision to roll it out on 800 homes. You know, we had done one home at Lidcombe here in Sydney uh, as a test case. Um, and uh, you know, look, it worked okay, but it wasn't it wasn't amazing. But it showed some signs of efficiency that we thought were you know we could look at this on other projects. But the biggest, I mean, you know, people think about well, surely it must make a difference to to what the ground conditions are. You know, if you're drilling into sandstone versus clay, you know, that's going to make it actually doesn't right because the temperature of the ground stays fairly stable. Really, regardless of where you're drilling? Yeah, regardless of where you're drilling. I mean, it might vary slightly, but it, it, it's insignificant. It's not material to the performance. The The guys drilling the rig have got all different rigs and, you know, tips of cutters that they can cut through anything. You know, that's what they do for a living, right? So that's not a problem. One of the things has been, you know, just the planning, the logistics. You know, typically you're, you wouldn't think about air conditioning when you're starting construction of a home. You think about it well underway you know, after you've got the slab down, the frame up and you're, you know, starting to think about your services. Now you have to think about your air conditioning before you do anything else. You know, you've benched the site. You need to drill this, this hole in the ground 90 metres deep. So you need to make sure that that's positioned in the right spot because once you've drilled it, you can't move it. Um, so so there's, a, there's obviously an, an, an arc, um, I guess uh, a note for architects there isn't there in terms of design I mean if you have to think about the aircon before you've even even designed the house you do yeah you need to make sure you position that point where you want that hole to go down really accurately because the heat pump needs to sit right beside or almost on top of that 
um, hole, right? And then that's going to sit right next to your, your slab for your home. So you need to just make sure that coordination is done. So when the guy comes in and, and you know, drills that hole, it's, it's been put in the right spot. It's not in your main bedroom. Yeah, that wouldn't be pleasant, would it? You have this kind of dishwasher-looking thing sitting in the middle of your bed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, that's that's been one of the challenges. I mean, the other challenges are probably around the, the um, who's supplying the, the, the product, right? You know, in Australia, geothermal wasn't much of an industry. And so when we started looking at it, we had parts coming from all over the world. I'm like, hold on, guys. You know, we don't want to get all our air conditioning stuck in a ship somewhere and we can't complete the homes because you can't deliver a home if you said you got air conditioning until it's, you know, installed. So we worked, uh, and geothermal guys that we work with, a company called Alinta Energy, um, provide the geothermal. Um, they worked closely with Actron, who's a local manufacturer, just based in, in, in Sydney. I think they're out at Marsden Park. Um, yeah, they're actually a, a, a fairly large company from memory. They are yeah. big, big uh, air con- Actron Air, big air conditioning manufacturer. I think it maybe the last one in Australia um, that's still manufacturing. And they came on board and started producing the heat pumps. So here we've we've got an Australian made, effectively solution to a you know a high efficient air conditioning product. So, but those engineering challenges, and then there's the efficiency, making sure it was going to work, and how efficient it was going to be, and under different conditions, um, you know, temperature conditions, and all of that. So there was a lot of testing done. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we worked through those and. Um, you know, at the same time, tried to get the price point down. It wasn't really cost effective initially when we started out. Um, but now we have a solution that we're rolling out at, as I said, Fairwater at Blacktown on 800 homes and around 650 homes at Edmondson Park as well. So it's starting to pick up. From a mainstream press point of view, you hear everything about solar and virtually nothing about geothermal, which is interesting. Dare I say, is geothermal not as sexy as solar or is it...? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I think it's very much in comparison in its infancy. So solar's 2 million homes. Geothermal's probably, you know, less than 2,000 in Australia. So uh, from a scale point of view is one thing. Also, I think, and, and this is a, maybe an opportunity more than anything, um, is that it's a developer that needs to pick up geothermal and take the lead on it. You know, it's not like solar. I can sell you a home and, you know, a few months later you can go, I want some solar panels and you can chuck them on. If you haven't done the geothermal, if the developer hasn't done it at the beginning, drill that loop because you need a massive drilling rig to get into your backyard, uh, then it's very difficult for a homeowner to do later. And so, um, you know, that's one of the challenges with geothermal. It needs to be planned from the beginning and the developer needs to commit to it and roll it out. And you, when you have scale and you're doing it, you know, across a few hundred homes in a, in a development, you, you get the efficiencies. If you are doing it in one home, apart from the logistical constraints of getting a rig in your backyard, it's going to cost you probably twice as much and it's just not going to be cost effective. So, you know, I, I think that's probably the reason, you know, it is uh, it is still um, a, a relatively new technology, but I, I see it picking up um, and, I, and I'm hoping that more and more developers, we get a lot of developers coming to Blacktown to have a look, uh, all the big developers you can think of and 
government land agencies and councils and lots of people interested, so trying to find ways to promote the technology more. Uh, so I think it will pick up, but it will be driven by those kind of developers that are building estates where they can roll it out at scale and get those um, economies of scale, right? What would be your ultimate sustainability challenge that you would like to tackle and perhaps eventually overcome in the context of your role here at Fraser's? Yeah, for me, I'm really passionate about energy, despite my name being uh, Drink Water. <laughs> it's a bit of a contradiction. Um, maybe I need a name change. But it, uh, I'd, I'd love to see, you know, zero carbon developments. You know, carbon, you know, so for me... Is, is that possible? I think it, it definitely is possible, right? Definitely is possible. So, you know, some developments will have greater challenges than others. You know, um, greater density makes it more difficult to get solar and other technologies in to, to get to a zero carbon outcome. But I, I hope that we'll see communities, particularly mixed-use ones, that will kind of operate as a, as a micro-grid. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll provide their own grid. And within that community, you'll have energy generation like solar panels and maybe some other technologies that come about. You'll have really super efficient homes. You know, geothermal is one technology, but even just airtight homes. You know, we're doing a, a passive house home in, in uh, Victoria at, Point, at our Point Cook project, which is about testing, pro, you know, air, providing a really airtight quality home, well insulated, that requires very little energy input for heating and cooling. You know, so these kinds of... Bringing all this together um, in one development where you have high-performing homes, high-efficiency equipment technologies and renewable energy being generated and a grid that allows those homes to share energy um, amongst each other because someone will be home at one point in time but might not be at another and, you know, like allowing for that diversity in in usage usage of homes and buildings. Um, And having a provider like like we have a structure now where real utilities can be the provider that owns all that and make sure it's all working. And, you know, I don't feel like homeowners will want to have 20 grand worth of energy equipment that they need to worry about. I just don't feel like that's going to be the... Uh, but, you know, I could be wrong. So having a provider that takes a risk on that, make sure it's running correctly, and um, and then they just get the benefits, right? Um I think that's a model. I'd love to see that happen. I think we're getting close. There's, the parts are there, but they're in all disparate, different projects, um, bringing it all together and creating a, a community that is you know, zero carbon, um, provides savings to customers in their, in, in their energy costs, um, and you know, is just a better place to be. I think that's where we'd, we'd love to get to. That's been absolutely fascinating, Paolo Bevelacqua. I've actually, um, it's been enthralling. I've I've learned quite a bit. Thank you very much for your time. Great. Thanks for the opportunity, Brent. You've been listening to Talking Architecture and Design, and until next time, goodbye.